Well, good morning. There you go. Some of you are still awake. It is so wonderful to be here with you today. I am happy to be here. Um, and I hope that you are looking forward to a wonderful week building up with Christmas. A few questions that should always be asked. How many of you have not started your, uh, started your homework? How many of you have not started your Christmas shopping yet? Oh, there's only one of us? Come on, there's got to be more of us that are like that. How many of you are all done with your Christmas shopping? Yeah, good job. And how many of you are all done wrapping your presents? You're the people that I'm looking at. Um, catch up with me afterwards. I'll employ you. We've got opportunities, right, for things like that. Hey, uh, my name is Joel, and I am so glad to be here with you and, and come and give this uh, second part of this series, um, Hopes and Fears, here at Christmas time. But before I do that, I just want to, pa Pastor Tim last week um, tried to sell a few books, and um, I'm, I was hoping to do a better job selling them. So you guys got to go and buy them. No, I'm just, I'm just, uh, just joking. Just, a, just as an encouragement from church, if, if you are looking for a book, if you are looking for something to still get a present that you are looking, maybe for a young child. Last week, Pastor Tim was talking about the Action Bible uh, for young men, for young boys. Oh, and right there, there were four of them sold. This week, what I want to encourage you with, these, these are a couple of books by Louis Giglio for younger kids. They are absolutely tremendous, um, indescribable, and how great is our God. Uh, they are back in the back as well. And again, they are, they are something that is there and available for you if you are still looking for a younger child, something to buy. Um, and, and last week, as I mentioned, um, Pastor Tim with the Action Bible, right here is an is a NIV that is for girls. This one's designed more for girls. Um, if you want to pick that up back there, they are available for you. By the way, the church in a desire, um, Bridgewater, in a desire to have these materials available to you, they, they sell those back there at a discounted price. Um, those books right there, the Louis Giglio, $7, the Bible for girls, the NIV for girls right there, $5. I would encourage you if you would like to pick that up. If there's somebody that you are thinking of that might enjoy that this week, um, I tell you what, the Louis Giglio ones, there you go. Pick those up. They're pictures. Even I can read those. Yeah, no applause. Anyway, I am so glad to be here. I, I want to ask a question before we get started with the message this morning, and, and I want you all to answer together. Um, but what, uh, uh, give me, I'll give you a little countdown for the answer, but here's the question first of all. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Your favorite Christmas movie. Get it in your mind, all right? Um, and all, all I want you to do is I, I'm, I, I'm taking a survey here, right? I just want to know. Three, two, one. What is it? Elf. There we go. All right. I hear a few elf. Um, that elf, at least that's short and I can pick that up. And then I heard this one was somebody else's favorite. <laughs> and I really like that one as well. All right. That one's one of my favorites as well. Um, what, I, what I love um, or what you may love. How, how many of you um, Hallmark Christmas movie people and dare to admit it? All right. That's a shame. I'm sorry. Um, for those of you that don't admit it, um, that's a shame for you. For those of you that uh, compare that to World Cup soccer, thank you. I'm sorry, that was an insult. I should be thanking you for being here this morning in spite of that going on. And if I keep rambling, you're not even going to get home in time to see the start of that. So, uh, so anyway, all of that to say this. One of the great things about Christmas movies, right? One of the, one of the great things, and even the Hallmark Christmas movies, right? is they set up a situation 
And within that situation, you see that there's bad or something wrong that is going on that should not be going on. And within whatever it is, there's a situation where, oh, no, are they going to get together? Or, oh, no, is this situation going to be solved? Oh, no, is this going to be taken care of? What's going on? And somewhere along the line, somebody, something, no matter what it is, brings hope, right? Brings hope into the movie, and that's what makes us watch it because we want to make sure that everything comes out right at the end. And this morning, we are looking at week two of a series, Hopes and Fears. Why? Because the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight is the song that we sing. But we live in a world, and I, I, I ask the question, are all your hopes and fears, are they really all met? Do really all the hopes and fears of this world, are they really met with this? Is that how it all takes place in this world? And we're off to wonder, do they? Do the hopes and fears of the world really lose their power because of the birth of Jesus Christ. And that's what we start to wonder. You know, that may have worked really well 2,000 years ago in a little town of Bethlehem, right? It may have even really worked really well when Jesus was walking on earth with his people, with his disciples. And that may have really worked well when life wasn't as busy and as confusing and as difficult as it can be today. But we start to struggle and we wonder, do, do the, does it really lose its power? This morning, what I want to do is I want to walk through a number of questions, a number of questions that, that we can look at and hopefully answer by going through the Christmas story, a part of the Christmas story this morning. So what is it in your life? What is it that, that you, that is in your life that you have that is causing you fear this Christmas? What in your life causes you fear to struggle, to look at Christmas, right? We all celebrate and we're excited and we're looking forward to the day and we're looking forward to buying some new presents right here this morning. We're even looking forward, Joel, did you bring candy? That, right? We're looking forward to that. But sometimes there's fear that happens in our lives. And what causes us fear? I want to jump back because I think that even if we look at the beginning of the Christmas story, we see that maybe things weren't all right during the that, at the time of that very first Christmas, right? So if you have your Bibles, if you have your device, if you have it, whatever it is that you like to look at on, we, we all know that many of you are looking forward to a new iPhone for Christmas, correct? You wouldn't look for anything else. You knew that was coming. All right, but Luke chapter 2, verse 1, right here, what does it say? In those days, Caesar Augustus, wait a minute, let, let's stop, let's stop right there. And I, I just want to go through this piece by piece, this very first verse, because I want to look in those days. I want to remind you that when we look at the gospel of Luke, this is Luke, the author of this gospel that is writing down. Luke is not writing for an audience 2,000 years later. 
Luke is writing for an audience of people that he knew at that time. He is writing for a group of people that he is aware of, that he knows. As a matter of fact, he addresses it, he addresses it that he's writing it to a man named Theophilus. I want you to know that you can trust, that you can count on the events that have taken place. Because what I did is I went back, I researched, I've talked to the eyewitnesses. This is not something that is written 100 years later, but this is something that is written just a couple of decades later. And Luke went and he caught the people. He caught the disciples who spent time with Jesus. He talked to others that were there on the scene and were eyewitnesses. So when we look at the account of the book of Luke, it's not something that we are looking back at and just saying, oh, it's ancient history and just somebody wrote it in the Middle Ages and made it all up. But rather it is somebody that was there with, at the time, researching, wondering. As a matter of fact, for those of you that are in my age range, it would be similar to us deciding that we are going to go back and we are going to research the Ronald Reagan or the, George, the first George W. Bush um, presidency, and we're going to research and we are going to write about that. Or maybe you've decided that, you know what, we all like 80s music, right? You want to write more about 80s music, and you want to go through that, right? That's what it is similar to. We can talk to the eyewitnesses. We were there for that. We saw a lot of what happened and what took place. That is what it is. And some may even say that Luke was written even more recent, all right, than, than even looking back to the 80s for those of us that are my age. Some would say, nah, only, a, only two, three decades ago right there, right? Some of us, we're old, right? There you go. It's always good to tell people that. It always works well. But in those days, so what was it like in those days? Let's take a look at that. All right, in those days, what was the world like when Jesus came into this world, when Jesus was born? Israel, all right? Our, our Bibles, Jesus is the Messiah of the nation of Israel, right? He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the, he is the promised one that they were looking forward to. The nation of Israel was awaiting. They were looking for their Messiah. Not only that, God had been silent for some 400 years, it seemed to them, right? He hadn't spoke. As a matter of fact, Malachi, the last prophet, if you have your, if you have your, if you have your Bible, Malachi, the last prophet, prophet, he speaks. And not only does he speak, he challenges the then known leaders, all right, 400 BC, all right? He challenges the leaders of the church, excuse me, not the church, of the temple, and says, what are you doing? You're coming in and you're burning useless fires. Oh, that someone would just shut the doors because you're just going through the motions. You're just doing what it is that you're told to do, but your hearts are not changed. Your hearts are hard. And he's challenging the people, the, the children of Israel. He's challenging them saying, listen, you keep giving, but what you give is not the best. You're giving the broken. You're giving the downtrodden. You aren't giving God your best. You're giving them your worst. Malachi closes and God goes silent for 400 years. And in the midst of that time, the nation of Israel goes through changes, right? And the world goes through changes. The Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, right? Alexander the Great comes on the scene and comes over through and takes over the world. And then the Roman Empire becomes the strength that comes throughout the world. What was it like? The world was ruled by the Roman Empire. It was a Roman Empire that dominated and controlled and took strength and, and, in, their, and in their strength, that is how they ruled the world. The Roman Empire ruled the world with fear, 
The hopes and fears of all the world are met in thee tonight. Well, the Roman Empire ruled with fear. They ruled with brutality. And they ruled with force. Right? That is how they ruled the world. They came through and they took over the world through force, brutality, fear. That is how they controlled and ruled the world. That's the world that Jesus came into. All right, that is what it is. As a matter of fact, at that time, there was, well, let's just go to the next verse here. Or not the next verse, but the next part of the verse. See, not only in those days, but it was Caesar Augustus. So Luke is giving us detail, right? He's giving us the detail, not just something to skip through and go through, but he says, in those days, Caesar Augustus. Well, who is Caesar Augustus? Let's, let's take a look at just Caesar Augustus as we, as we take a look at him here. <clears throat> He ruled the Roman Empire. Caesar Augustus came to power about uh, 25 years before Christ was born, somewhere in that neighborhood there. And uh, he took over for Julius Caesar, who was his stepfather. There was a civil war when Caesar Augustus became the power. All right. Um, Julius Caesar was declared a god. Thus, Caesar Augustus was a son of God. All right. And that was how he wanted to be referred. That is how he was referred to in the Roman Empire. Um, he offered peace and forgiveness to his people. The one great thing about the Roman Empire is there was peace throughout the Roman Empire as long as you obeyed. There was peace because of the force. Anybody that brings up a rebellion, anybody that tries to re 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 rebel against them is going to be stomped down, and they are going to be stomped down mightily all right, by the power that is there. Um, Caesar printed coins, all right? Not only of uh, himself, but there was also Julius Caesar on the coins. Caesar is Lord. He was all-powerful. Again, how is he all-powerful? All-powerful in quotes at that time in the world. He was all-powerful because of the force of their army, the brutality. So what was the world like when Jesus was born? If we look at our next slide here, what was the world like as, when Jesus was born? There was a blending of political and religious rule that offered peace via the power of a massive Roman army. Do you ever think that maybe our world is similar? Right? We live in a great world. We live in a great country. But when it comes to the hopes and fears of all the world are met in thee tonight, is that really true? Have you taken a look at what goes on in our world? Have you taken a look at what takes place in the news? Have you taken a look at what goes on in our country? And that's not even to get down into the nitty-gritty of yours and my family, our life, our employment, our friends, those that are around us. Do you know something? Sometimes those kids that we raise so well, they don't behave as well as we thought they should, do they? And they bring fears into our lives, and they bring hopes into our lives. I'm a great parent. How could that be? Influence of other bad people, right? There you go. Now, um, I say that because it becomes part of our lives. In our lives, we get beat up in this world. Let's take a look. What would, what would the world look like when Jesus was born as we continue on? There was, there was not only that blending of the political and the religious rule, but how did they maintain that? They maintained that by the massive Roman empire, uh, excuse me, the massive Roman army. And how do you maintain a massive Roman army? How do you maintain the peace in this world that we're trying to maintain? How do we control that? Let's go back to our story. If we jump back to our story, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census 
should be taken of the entire Roman world. What was the idea that was going to take place here? Right? The census was for what reason? It was so that the whole world would be taxed. If you remember our story from the, old, from the King James Version, right? A decree went out that the world should be taxed. And this was the census, all right, that's setting that up. Our next verse says this. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went, with his wife, went, with the, went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And as he went, all right, as he goes along, as he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. How do you maintain a massive Roman military? You tax the world. And they were taxed at an exorbitant rate. And being taxed at an exorbitant rate, that's how they paid that. Roman citizens were actually taxed a little less, those that were outside. So the nation of Israel, as we read our New Testament, right, always wanting freedom. Part of that is freedom from the taxation of Rome because they would come and they would take so much. That's why Matthew, the tax collector, if you were familiar with the disciples of Jesus Christ, Matthew, the tax collector, combined with Simon, the zealot, the one that wants to overthrow Rome, is such a strange happening that the two of them come together. One is working for Rome, collecting, aligning his pockets by collecting the taxes. The other is there like, you are terrible to me. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Jesus came into a world that was broken into a world that had been beaten down, into a place where people were looking for a Messiah, where maybe there are rumors. You know what? There are some rumors going around that somebody has seen an angel. As a matter of fact, this Joseph guy, nobody believes him, and this Mary lady, nobody believes her either. Their story is going on, but it doesn't sound so well. But there was this one priest who said something about, wow, that the coming Messiah, that it was going to be before his, he passed away. How is this going to take place? So there's a buzz. And there's always been a buzz about the Messiah coming. And here it is, Joseph and Mary on their way to register. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room, there was no guest room available for them. There was no room in the inn. The hopes and fears of this world. Do the hopes and fears of this world really lose their power through this little baby? Do the hopes and fears that you and I have, the hopes and fears, you know, I feel great Christmas Eve, great Christmas Day, but you know what? New Year's Day, a few days later, suddenly, all the issues of this life, they well back up within us, right? Heck, we got the financial bills coming in in January, right? Whoa, I got to pay for everything I just bought, right? There you go. And our fears become economic. Our fears become personal. Our fears become our job. Our fears become our country that we live in. Our fears become the, just the overall difficulties of this world. 
So look at it again. The fears of that very first Christmas. Economic. World taxation. Right? That's what's going on. You want to talk about something taking place? The whole world's going to be taxed. We are already taxed enough. We don't need more. There's political. We've got some guy in there. He's a, he's a nutcase claiming that he's God. We've got to follow him. And that may work well for somebody that doesn't work well for me because we're supposed to declare. He wants us to declare that he is God. And we don't like that. That doesn't work well within our religious system. We can't do that. We can't bend our knee to that. There is the world power. Rome is the world power. And that's great if we want to do what they say to do. But it's not great when you want to be an independent nation, when you want to have your own independent sovereignty and your freedom from them. Religious, right? That goes back up to here. There's a, there's a guy that says that he is a political, that, that he is the God. How does that work in our religion? How does that work for Mary and Joseph who have seen the angel of the Lord come and speak to them and say, you know what? You know what? Within you, Mary, the son of God is going to be born. Joseph, guess what? Take her. She is not but unfaithful to you, but rather what is there is of the Holy Spirit. And he will be born. Why? So that he can save his people from their sins. Wow, God, that sounds a little strange to me, but it's the angel, when the angel of the Lord shows up and speaks to you, I, I, I'm led to believe that it changes your life, changes the way you think, changes what you do, and maybe it quells some of those fears that you have, and maybe it fills them with hope. There is a prophetic essence that's going on. Not only is the buzz going on, but wow, is this the Messiah? Is this the one that we are looking for? And the world at that time had no room for him. How about you and I in our time today? You see, sometimes in your life and in my life, we struggle to have room, right? We struggle to find the place. You see, God, I believe that you are the God of hopes and fears, and I even believe that of most people. But there are things in my life that I... I just don't know that that solves, that that cures. Well, as we continue on in our passage there, as we continue on with this scripture, it goes, on, it goes on and it says this right here. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified, right? Think about that. Put yourself in that, in that sense. You're just going to a normal night of work. And this is a story that Luke is telling. Why is Luke telling? Go back to what I said. He went and he was looking for the details. He wanted to make sure that he had the details of the account right. Luke, maybe he has talked to some of these shepherds that were out there, got the exact eyewitness account, the detail of what took place from them. And he is writing it down and he's saying, this is what took place. They were just out on a normal evening, every night, watching the sheep, probably out there talking about this whole taxation thing. Oh, Caesar, he just needs more money. So he's going to tax us all more. We can't afford, we can't make it how we make it right now. They're out there worried about their own living. And the angel of the Lord appears. And when the angel of the Lord appears to you out of the middle of nowhere, just in a normal day of work, they're terrified because they see him. Fear strikes up within them again. What are you here for? But the angel of the Lord said to them, he calls to them and says, 
do not be afraid. And when somebody says do not be afraid, what does that mean? Be afraid. Right? That's right. When, when, you're, when, you're ch- when your child calls you, don't be afraid, mom. What? Nope, that's not a good call, is it? When somebody else tells you, don't fear, that's not a good idea ever. Right? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Good news? Are you paying attention to what's going on in the world right now? Good news? I bring you good news that will cause joy for all. In the midst of a time when there is this taxation of all, the heavy hand of Rome is showing itself and saying, listen, you want to live in our area? This is what you are going to do. There's going to be joy for all. And that's what the angel says. And he goes to shepherds. And maybe the shepherds right then are thinking, maybe you should take this message a couple thousand miles east to Rome. They might need to be aware of this. We're just shepherds out here in a field. And he says there will be joy for all. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Wow. The Messiah, the Lord, is born. All the questions of how in the world is all this power taking place? What is going on? What is it that causes fear in my life? And right here, we have the angel of the Lord appearing and saying that there is a Savior that is born. You see the hopes and fears that come about in our lives. There is a message of hope. A message of hope that comes into the world. A message of hope through Jesus Christ. A message of hope into the world of fear. Jesus Christ brings that. He delivers it. And he brings that for each one of us. So what is it in your life that is causing fears this Christmas? What is it? What are the things in your life? What is it that goes on in your life that causes fear in your life? And then where is it that you are looking? Where is it that you're looking for hope this Christmas? Right? We have the fear. Are we looking for hope because if I just have a little more money, if I just have a little more credit line, if I just get a little more respect, if I just get a little bit more honor from the loved ones around me that don't know how hard it is that I work for them, if I just get a little bit more of the appreciation of this time of the year, if I just get a little bit more of whatever it is in your life that you're looking for, right? That's what comes down and catches us. Where are you looking for hope this Christmas? You see, on Christmas Eve, I may look for my hope in the Savior, but the rest of the world, I may be looking for, or excuse me, the rest of the time, I may be looking for hope in my own abilities, in my own strength, right? In what it is that I can do. What what is it that I am doing, right? I look for hope in the world, in the political system, around us. I look for hope in the eyes of those that are around, and yet Jesus Christ offers that. So when we go back to our story, what do we find out? The angels, right? When the angel had left them, what did the shepherds do? The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So what did the shepherds do? They said, let's do the very thing 
that the angel has talked about. Let's go see what it is that has happened. And as they went, all right, they went and they saw what took place. And they're going to celebrate. They're going to rejoice. You see, um, jump to the next slide here for me. The, um, when we see that, the fears of this life, all right, the fears of the life that we live in, they lose their power because Jesus is on the scene. And let me, just, let me just put it this way to each one of us here. Oftentimes, oftentimes we minimize the power of God in our lives, not intentionally, not intentionally, but because we catch glimpses of the concerns of our daily life. My life becomes so full with doing, 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 right? And the concerns of this world. And all of a sudden, my concerns go there, and I start to wonder, Jesus, where are you? God, where are you in the midst of this? You see, when Jesus came on the scene and was born, when the Messiah was born, the situation hadn't changed. Rome was still in control. As a matter of fact, it'd be hundreds of years until Rome recognized and allowed for Christianity. So it didn't change the result of following Christ, all right? People had to do so at their own risk. It didn't make life easier for them. The shepherds, they still had their sheep to watch and take care of. It didn't change that. You see, the concerns and the daily difficulties were still there. But suddenly, there was hope. Let me just jump forward in Jesus' life, in the life of Jesus, if I can. This is in his ministry, so we're talking roughly 30 years later. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. So Jesus, as he's starting his public ministry, he's going out, and news about him is going across to everyone. And, and as he was teaching, he was teaching, and, and he did that on a regular basis in the synagogues. And everyone praised him. When they heard him, they loved his teaching, and they said, Wow, he is so good. So what did he do? He went to Nazareth, which was his normal thing, which is where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And this is what Jesus does. When he stands up to read, the scroll is handed to him. And the prophet Isaiah was turned to, was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And Jesus, the hope of the world, stands in that synagogue, opens up the scroll, something that had been done every Sabbath day, not the reading of this one, but opens up the scroll and starts to read. And as he reads the scroll, he says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. What's that? Proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he went on with the mic drop, and he said this, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And that caused a little bit of a ruckus. That caused a little bit of an uproar. But think about this. What is it in your life, right? What is it that causes you fear this Christmas? Where? Where is it that we are looking for? Where is it that we are looking for the, the, um, the hope that we have this Christmas time? What and where? It's right in this right here. But the angel of the Lord said, jump ahead one more there for me. But the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy 
for all. Jesus, when he started his ministry, proclaimed good news. He proclaimed freedom. Was it freedom from a Roman empire? Nope. He proclaimed the Lord's favor. You see, they had grown up in a world where the Lords didn't show favor to the people, but rather people showed favor to the Lord. They had grown up in a world where freedom, freedom meant following exactly what the Roman Empire told you to do. They grew up in a world where good news, I don't know that there was always a lot of good news to go about because we are here in this world that is controlling us. But it comes down to this question that I ask for each one of us. Not only what is causing fear, not only where are you looking for hope this Christmas, but who or what is your king? You see, Jesus came as a little baby, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, born to a world that was in the midst of turmoil and difficulties. People like you and I that were struggling, that were looking for hope, where is that hope? And Jesus proclaimed it. He was the good news. He was the hope of the world. He was the freedom. He was the favor of God shown to men. So what does it do in your life and mine? Does it change our circumstances? I would say this, following Christ changes, starts to change our circumstances. Doing as Christ has called us to do Showing love, favor, kindness to those that are around us. Gentleness, peace, against such there isn't a law. Showing things like that to those that are around us certainly starts to bring peace in our lives. But it depends on who our king is. Right? Am I my king? Are my desires my king? Or is the little baby who grew up to be a man who went to the cross and died on the cross for our sins. Is he who is our king? Is he the one that brings peace? You see, the message of the angels that day, the message of the angel to the shepherds that day was this. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So when the hopes and fears of this world try to, try to grab onto you, I would remind you that at this time of the year, especially, we are reminded that a Savior was born to save us from our fears, to give hope, to interject hope into a world that is broken, into a world where death and dying occur, into a world where want and more are what are desired all the time and it's never filled. We have a Savior that was born. I hope that He is your King, that He is the one that you look to for your salvation this Christmas. What a great Christmas. What a great time to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. What a great time to be reminded that our hope is not found in the political powers of the world. It's not found in the leaders of the world. It's not found in the money. It's not even necessarily found in having great family, as important as all of those things may be. It is found in our hope of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Pray with me if you would, please. God, I ask as we close our time together this morning,
Lord, I, I ask that you would just bless and encourage each one here. Lord, I, I pray that we may love you. And Lord, most importantly, I ask that we may be, that we may be encouraged through the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, this world is full of fear. And there are so many things that can come over and take over us, whether it's family, whether it's health, whether it's political, whether it's economic. And yet, God, you give us hope. Not hope that all of that will go away, but hope that we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who is capable of saving us from our greatest problem, and that is our sin problem. God, I pray that you may bless and encourage each one that is here I thank you for them. And Lord, may we go forward this week with joy, praising our God, thankful for all that you have done. So Lord, I pray your blessing on each one. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Would you stand and sing